This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I sadly sort of expected what happened to happen, and um, we have accepted that as a group. Um, it's not going to stop what we're doing and what we believe, and it's not certainly not going to stop my support for uh, our players and um, our staff. So that, that's it. We're going to have to live with that. Um, but you're right, you know, we've said what we're going to say now and um, uh, uh, of course you're right to ask the question today but moving forward it's pointless me going into any further detail on it. Off the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Yet again, a mixed reaction to England players taking the knee before kickoff. It's Monday evening, it's Off the Ball with me, Ross, and the guys. The guys being Cam Raslan. Welcome back, Cam. Hey, hi, hi, thank you. Nice to have you back. Uh, Arvin Sidhu is also here, fresh out of the shower, I might add. Thank you for sharing that, Ross. Good to be here. It's football, there's Euros, there's Copa, there's so much of football. You see, where I set myself apart, Arvin, is I I like to put a picture to the radio. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I can tell, I can tell, I can tell. (laughs) Craig Wilkie is not dressed up in his kilt, our resident Scotsman. Hello, Craig. Not yet, but maybe next week. This is is (laughs) what... This is one international break we don't mind, isn't it? <laughs> yes, building up to the big Euros. Of course, you can tweet at BFM Radio. Find us individually on Twitter. Also, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Right, we heard Gareth Southgate at the start. Uh, yet again, mixed reaction to the England players continuing to take the knee before kickoff. There was... Actually, extra loud cheering this time, matched by medium applause. I'm going to come to you first, Cam. Why do your regular sports fan boo sportsmen for taking the knee? What's it all about? It's been causing a real hoo-ha out in um, in England uh, because the 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 well, the fans. You know, Gary Lineker has been trending on. Uh, Twitter because he has spoken in favor of um, taking the knee and condemning the the fans who've uh, been booing. So I was looking on Twitter and there was a lot of people uh, attacking Gary Lineker, saying simple thing, which is take politics out of sport. That's that's the theory behind it, and and also saying you know, you're an ex footballer. What what the hell do you know about politics? Um, one person who was saying that is actually a bass player in a band, and I'm sort of thinking, <laughs> you're a bass pair, player in a band? Well, <laughs> that seems to qualify you anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, the reality is the whole process doesn't take more than five seconds. They're literally down and up. So I, I, I don't see the problem, really. I don't see... If you're against it, aren't you against the whole BLM and aren't you then deemed racist? Uh, no, yeah, this is Brexit England. This is Brexit England. Logic yeah, plays yeah. no role in anything. Yeah, yeah. All right, let, let's let's try and, and talk about the football <laughs> and, and not the Riverside Stadium jeering fans. Arvin Sidhu, uh, two wins for England, two 1 0 wins, no goals conceded. On paper, it looks like England are going into the tournament very solid. Or, or am I just reading stats here? England goes into almost any tournament looking very solid and then things kind of come undone. 
Um, they, dom- they, they dominated possession in the first half. I think there was close to 70% that they had possession. It's quite funny with a squad of four right backs, he chooses not to have any right backs <laughs> playing on the day itself. So that, that, that really bewildered me a little bit. Uh, but the lineup is will nowhere be near what he puts out on the tournament for the first game against Croatia. And that, that's a concern because this is your last friendly before you get into a competitive game. I get that injuries might happen. You're trying to be careful, but you would expect some form of chemistry for when it really matters, unless he's seeing things in training, which has wowed him so much to say, you know what? I only need to show my hand in the first game against Croatia and this game I can kind of give everyone else another opportunity. The lineup really really bewildered me. And unless his strategy is, okay, I give the ball to Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish just gets fouled or dives and James Ward-Prowse gives good delivery into the box. If that's his strategy of wanting to do things, I don't know. But yeah, it was it was a bit it was a bit weird that the deadline up came up when I looked at it. Jordan Henderson made a cameo in the second half. He looked a little bit rusty. Uh, understandably, but yeah, um, right? Yeah. Understandably, understandably, yeah. yeah, exactly. But there were some good points. I thought Ben White played really well. Tyron Mings looked a little bit rusty as well. So a bit a bit 50-50 with England going into this this game and then into the competitive game over the weekend for me. Yeah. Um, Craig, I know you love talking about England being Scottish and all that. <laughs> But, I mean, put your football hat on, football analyst hat on. Big plus point for me was the goalkeeper, West Brom goalie, Sam Johnston. Do you know what? Out of all the three goalkeepers, I think he looks the most solid. Yeah, he looked very solid in that game. Pulled off one magnificent save Stupendous from Coltrane, which, one, which yeah. he, he managed to tip away. And that's just great reflexes and the sign of someone in, in really good form. But just to go back to what Arvin said, and, and I agree that this close to a major tournament, when England are going into it as rightly one of the favourites, I'm just not convinced by some of the decision-making that Southgate has been, has been taking in the last few weeks and months. Yeah. And he actually came out after the game and said that in his head, he has 10 of the, the team sheet for the Croatia game already solidified. He knows who those players are going to be. That's what he said. I'm not 100% convinced that that's the case. I mean, you mentioned the goalkeeper. You mentioned almost every area of the pitch and there's big decisions to be made. Some of them are good decisions because of such depth in that, that England squad. But who is his first choice goalkeeper? Honestly, who is his first choice goalkeeper? I think it'll probably I, I be guess it is by, 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 it? by default. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's not had a great season, as, as we know. Who is going to be his central defensive partnership, especially if Maguire <laughs> is not fit? And it doesn't look as though he's going to be fit for that, that first game. So there, there's, there's a big question mark over a key area of the side. Midfield, we were talking about before we came on air. That's probably England's weakest part of the field when yeah. you look at that squad overall, and especially if Henderson is not fully fit. And clearly, he's not fully fit. And yeah. We know what Roy, Roy Keane had to say, and I, I think Roy Keane makes a, a reasonable point about you can't afford to carry a player in a major tournament like that. He can't be there just to you know, gee everybody up behind the scenes or whatever. If he's part of that squad, then he has to be, have a reasonable chance of, of playing in, in most of those games. If he's that kind of an important character to you, which Henderson has been in the past. And then up front, where England have the most riches, even then there's big question marks. You know, does Sterling play because, he's, because of the experience, because of the, what he's done in previous tournaments? But form-wise, you wouldn't say so. No. Whereas Grealish, Grealish is ar- arguably the form-creative player, yeah. definitely over the last two games, but even in the, the latter part of the season, some of the more recent games he's played for England. So he would have a very good um, case to start, but will he or not? And, and I just feel Southgate sometimes, he's a very cautious, very pragmatic coach. And one of the impacts of that is that 
this England side to me sometimes seems like less than the sum of their parts. Mm. So many good individual players, but collectively, something's still a little bit missing. Now, I still think they'll go a long way in the tournament, but let's see. Still a lot of questions. Uh, yeah, uh, big, big questions. I mean, if, if you're saying you can't go into tournaments carrying players, can England actually going in with two injured players in, in Anderson and Maguire? Um, both are going to be rusty if they're anywhere near fit. So, I mean, how far do, do you reckon this England side at all? Um, I do. I do. But I, I think that uh, everything that Craig said just now, just change the names, exactly the same thing could have been said for the last 30, 40 years of uh, England's <laughs> oh, England. World Cup <laughs> campaigns. Oh, they're carrying in injured players. And who is the first choice goalkeeper? And et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Gareth Southgate is the one manager since what Glenn Hoddle who's actually played in a World Cup and there's a lot of you know when you read uh, the biographies or whatnot of, of players they talk about the psychology uh, of being in the camp and the tedium and the, just the regimentation and I think that Gareth Southgate is is looking at the psychology of the players as much as anything else mm -hmm. and and, and for me, that bodes well. Uh, Pickford has to be the number one because he is, he has the psychology to play for England. He can pull it off. I mean, all goalkeepers make mistakes, but he relishes playing for England and his distribution is good. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, to making the, the good choices there, apart from taking injured players, that is a big no-no and that is the thing that England has done in the past and has never worked out. Yeah, and, and still the, the replacement for Trent Alexander-Arnold has to be um, named. Uh, I believe Gareth has until the day of the tournament to name. Uh, I mean, at the time of us recording this, late Monday evening, afternoon-ish, um, he still has a name, but I mean, if you're if you're sensible, England are, are probably most weak in midfield, and and then you look at James Ward-Prowse or maybe Jesse Lingard as the option. Would I be right in saying that, Arvin? Yeah, James Ward-Prowse for me because he, yeah. he gives something that the, the dead ball, that, 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 yeah. the dead ball. Yes, yeah, Jesse Lingard, fantastic six months, but before that. What was what was the contribution to the season, right? James Ward-Prowse would come in. He would give something a little bit more different uh, from set-based delivery, corners, free kicks, even penalties. If it comes to the penalty shootout, you know England's record, even though in the last tournament they did okay. So for me, it'd be James, James Ward-Prowse would be in the Southgate mode, and we talked about it earlier, being cautious, but also offering something different. So for me, it'd be James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, just don't let Jordan Henderson take the penalty. <laughs> huh? uh, Calvert Lewin is thinking that right now. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of James Ward Prowse, uh, I read that Aston Villa are about to make a move for him. Villa have already signed 30 million plus Emiliano Buendia from the Argentine from Norwich City. So they're already doing business, and James Ward Prowse would be good business simply for the things that Arvin has mentioned there is his dead ball prowess is very very good um all right well that's that's england anything else to say about england i mean they kick off saturday uh their, their tournament um they take on croatia of course now let's talk a little bit about belgium croatia that happened yesterday as well belgium won croatia nil croatia have not had uh the best warm-up <laughs> to 
to the Euros. Uh, Craig Wilkie is in a strange situation here. He's our resident Scot. He's placed in England's group and he's married to a Croatian. So that household is going to be a bit of a hot spot over June. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine total lockdown in these circumstances? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> your poor kid, that, 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 your, your poor children, do they have half and half? Shirts. Yeah, we, we've, we've got all sorts of SOPs that are being uh, worked on right now for, for over the course of the tournament. But, I mean, Croatia are uh, seasoned competition footballers. They, they have a squad that's maybe aging in defence a little bit, if, if you look at But you can never count out Croatia football-wise, can you, Craig? Yeah, and I mean, un- unfortunately, I think maybe aging a little bit overall. This is a squad and a side in transition. If we go back to the 2018 World Cup, which of course was such an incredible triumph for Croatia to make it all the way through to the final, and of course beating England in the semis back then. But from that squad, you know, Mandzukic has retired, Rakitic has retired. So the, the onus on Modric now is, is absolutely huge. And we, we know, I mean, he's been one of the best players in the world for, for a decade. I mean, he, he really is that good. And we, we've seen the level that he's still playing at with Real Madrid. And he is so key to how that Croatia team plays. Yeah. You know, he just, that willingness to get on the ball, absolutely everything goes, goes through him. And so it's, that, will, that is what will give Croatians hope that, you know, they still have a player of that quality and they still have some other good players as well. You know, it's Perisic, smaller, it's that, the size of Singapore. It's the size of Kovacic. Singapore. Yeah, they, I mean, the, you go back over the years and what Croatia have achieved at major tournaments, not only in qualifying, but how well they perform when they get there is, is phenomenal. And, and Cam mentioned the psychology and there's, there's something in the mentality yeah. of those players and, and that as a sporting culture and a sporting nation that when they turn up on the big stage, there's no fear, there's so much kind of passion and aggression around, you know, representing the country. I, I can remember the scenes in Zagreb when they came back from Russia. It was absolutely incredible. There was, they reckoned about 500,000 people had turned up lining the route from the airport all the way to the city center. And wow. that's about, that's about an eighth of the entire population. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just, just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's an interesting group. I think it'll be interesting. The fact that the first game, for, for them is, is against England and a repeat of that, that semi-final. So there will be things coming to play around that. You know, that was such an interesting game. And I think in the end, Croatia deserved to win that mm-hmm. final. But first half, England were totally dominant. You know, we always go back to the, if Kane had squared it to Sterling, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Croatia would have come back from 2-0 down. Um, so again, it's going to be, those first games in a tournament can be a little bit nervy as well, right? And there'll, and there'll, be, more, there'll be more pressure on England. Yeah, especially absolutely. at home, especially with, with the expectation. I, I don't think anybody really expects Croatia to repeat the heroics of, of three years ago. So going into that game, they'll have maybe a little bit of a free hit for that, that first round and, and just see. But I, I think it'll be a, almost, if, if Modric can dominate the game, then Croatia have a chance. If England are able to keep him out of it, then I don't see anything other than an England win for that. All right, well, Belgium beat Croatia 1-0. Lukaku scored, scored the goal. I think it was his 60th international goal. Um, Belgium will go into this tournament as one of the favourites, along with France. I I read that Kevin De Bruyne is joining up with the squad today, Monday, after he's gone undergone minor surgery on on his eye socket and his nose, um, thanks to the Champions League final and and Rudiger's shoulder. Um, But Belgium, do you fancy them, Cam? Uh, I do. 
I do yeah, very much so. Exactly. Uh, but De Bruyne's injury is concerning because it just takes, I mean, every defender will just know what to do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's not like he, he, he has had any experience in knowing how to cope with this injury. So uh, that is a concern. De Bruyne is so spectacularly good. But they have strength all over the place. And uh, they, they've got to come good eventually. But I really wouldn't, right? I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. This this tournament is. I, there is no uh, number one team, and but I would put Belgium up there. This is why, for me, the Euros rank above the World Cup in terms of stronger teams involved. Um, having said that, Belgium's group looks quite manageable for them. They they meet Russia in their opener on the 12th of June. Then they face Denmark on the 17th before wrapping up with Finland. On the 21st, Arvin, Belgium, for you, how far will they go? They'll go far. And you just have to look at what they have done in the last three tournaments. You're looking at basically being in the third place, quarterfinals, quarterfinals. So the next step will obviously be that progression to the semifinal. And you only get that with experience. We've talked about this golden generation for many tournaments now, but it's very difficult for a golden generation to go into a tournament and expect them to make it all the way to the final at the first attempt. Yeah. Right now, they've, they've had time together. Roberto Martinez has had an opportunity to work with these players for a considerable amount of time. And all they need to know now is when they get to the semis, and most of the time in these tournaments, you know the tournament is won by a performance in the semis get to the semis and potentially there is every opportunity that they could win the whole thing. Romelu Lukaku is really in the form of his life right now. I mean, coming off winning Serie A with Inter, talks about Chelsea wanting him, talks about other clubs wanting him. He's really showing that 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 true potential that he had back in the day when he was originally a youngster with Chelsea. So he's in the form of his life. But even if you take out Kevin De Bruyne, Hazard, who had had a few minutes, Axel Witzel. You've got guys like Yannick Caruso that can come in and yeah. run at you. Yeah. So o- overall, they've got, they got really good strength in depth. The only challenge for Belgium in this tournament, and Thibaut Cotta is a great goalkeeper, but in front of him, when you look at the likes of Toby Alderweireld getting a bit long in the tooth, it's that central defence that they probably have a bit of concerns on. But the rest of the squad, that there's really not much to be concerned about. And I, and I honestly feel that Lukaku is going to have a very, very good tournament. And if he does potential semi-final for me at least all right brilliant stuff the belgians looking like one of the favorites going into the big kickoff we go into our first break back right after this they are off and running in 2021 off the ball on bfm 89.9 well the rules have been clarified and and they've looked to to balance things fair in a fair fashion off the ball on bfm 89.9 Looking forward to the big kickoff in the Euros. We've got to talk about the Scots now. Uh, Scotland have had a couple of really good warm-ups. It was a 2-2 draw. Forced changes due to COVID. Uh, 2-2 draw. Very credible 2-2 draw with Holland. Actually, they were unlucky not to win it, if you ask me, Craig Wilkie. And then last night, it was a 1-0 win over Luxembourg. We saw a Billy Gilmore cameo. I mean... Good times for Scotland, eh? Yeah, they are good times. Wow, that's uh, well. Let's let's see. Give it another week once once we actually get started <laughs> in, in this thing. But um, there's so much excitement. I mean, it's been such a long time, 23 years, I think, something like that, since we were last at a major major finals. And I know how excited I am. And speaking to people back home, you can really sense it building up. And even the the post match interview last night with Stevie Clark, 
you could see that he was just bursting with excitement and enthusiasm. Can't wait to get out there and, and start the tournament. So it really means so much to people, people back in Scotland. And, you know, Scotland, we definitely don't go in as favourites or anything like that. But there are some really good players in that squad. And I think yeah. the reason that we've, we've made it back to a major tournament is the fact that we now do have players playing consistently at a very high level. You know, so the likes of Robertson, Tierney, McTominay, all these guys. Billy Gilmore, as you mentioned, I know he hasn't had a lot of game time at, at Chelsea, um, but he is... We talk about players that you are a little bit different, that you maybe don't have in the rest, He's Scotland's rest of the He's Scotland's Phil Foden. He's so yeah, he Scotland's is. Phil Foden, isn't he? he? He is, and he just... I mean, he's a player that's been on the radar. I can remember first hearing about him when he was about 11 or 12 years old at Rangers, and there was highlights reels, and people were saying, you know, this kid is the is the real thing, and and he's grown up and he's matured, and and I always say well, that's what I love about his game is his maturity, and and actually we, we mentioned Modric earlier. I mean, Modric is the player that he reminds me of a little bit that he's got he's got a very long way to go to reach that level, but the way he offers himself all the time, he always wants to get on the ball, and when he does get on the ball, he makes the right decisions. You almost never see him make the wrong decision about whether to pass, whether to take a man on. When he does make his passes, he almost always plays the right pass, or the intention is always with the right pass. And I, again, we talked about um, Southgate's slight cautiousness. Steve Clark is a slightly cautious manager as well, yeah. which is why I, I don't expect Gilmore to start. Although personally I would start him. I think he is that, I think he is that good. I think he's something so different to, to what else we have in the squad that I would just let him get on the ball and play. And we saw that the Luxembourg performance was okay. We were a little bit slack at the back. I thought they, they actually created a few chances despite being down to 10 men. Scotland created a fair amount themselves probably should have won a lot more comfortably. So maybe just a little bit of rustiness in front of goal that would be a concern. But see, a lot, lot, lot of decent players playing together. Clark's got them playing together in a system. I think everybody trusts them. Cam mentioned before about the harmony. You know, it's important of a squad. Everybody looks like they're kind of committed on the same page. There's no kind of big egos there. So, yeah, we're, we're just hugely excited. And I, I think, though, the, the first game is against Czech Republic, right? And that's such a must-win game. Mm. If we don't win that, I don't see any prospect of us, of us getting out of the group. But if we were able to take three points from that, then we go in, I think it's the England game next. Anything could happen. So exciting times and expect the kilt to be on at some point. Well, if, if we're going on form at the moment, the Czech Republic in that group have the worst form. Um, yeah, Czech Adams... Scottish striker has three, well, three goal um, involvements in his last three games. Yeah, yeah uh, that's two goals and an assist in his last three appearances. So that's good, good going. Cam Raslan is old enough, like me, to remember every summer, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the home nations championship going on. Do you remember that? Do you remember England playing Scotland, uh, Wales, uh, and, and Northern Ireland, and then the Scots ripping up Wembley, taking the goalpost home with them. Uh, this, that's the Scottish fans, not the players. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think there are still actually Scottish fans who are still banned from Wembley as a consequence <laughs> of that. <laughs> um, I, I know that Craig is clearly already booking the open top bus for the tick, uh, the tick top parade. I, I'm curious, where, would it be in Glasgow or Edinburgh? I'm not sure. But um, it, should, it should be a cool top inter- bus in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. No, but I am interested though that the, the the end of their qualifications run was was dismal, um, but and they they came through the back door as it were through with the the nations uh, cup nations cup isn't it? It's called that nations league, uh, yeah. nations league, uh, and and every match there was a cup final. So it, on the one hand, 
dismal end to the campaign. But on the other hand, the fact that there was so much pressure on individual matches and they rose to the, the occasion does kind of bode well. Yeah, and, and Stevie Clark talk of uh, an extension of his contract. Uh, he's, he's made them better. You, you can't deny that. Um, what about Wales, though? Wales nil, Albania nil. Um, the Welsh fans, 6,500 of them, were, were at the Cardiff City Stadium. They, they were treated to, to a dud. It was it was a terrible game of football, Arvin Sidhu. I'm not going to lie to people. Uh, it improved a little bit in the second half, but it, this was a dire, dire match. The Welsh um, have conceded four and scored none in, in their two friendlies. Not good. That's it as much. I mean, a game that really lacked attacking quality. I mean, Wales right now, obviously, under Rob Page with, uh, with what's happening with uh, Ryan Giggs on the side. But... Uh, you know that's the case when when it's a it's a game that's badly lacking in attacking quality. When your best chance falls to Neko Williams, when Neko Williams is in charge of trying to put the ball in the back of the net for the Welsh, that's a bit of a concern. Tyler Roberts from Leeds had had a shot that got deflected, but that also wasn't going anywhere. Uh, Aaron Ramsey had a brief cameo, uh, which was a bit promising, but then he got taken off again for treatments. So that's that's a concern that they have. It, for me, it's really understanding what Rob Pitch is trying to do with the squad. A lot of times he's actually played a 3-4-3 and he's tried to put Aaron Ramsey as the false number nine. Does that work? I don't think it does because it never worked for Arsenal. It's never worked for Juve. So it's really what else can he do by looking at the rest of his squad and his personnel and seeing what can I do to kind of give this squad a bit of attacking quality. You can't just depend on a Gareth Bale. You need someone to put the ball in the back of the net besides Gareth Bale creating it for you. So that's something that Rob Page is going to have to figure out. But yeah, you're right. This was his diet. Quality was his diet. Yeah, I mean, they faced Switzerland in, in Baku on, on Saturday. And yeah, Aaron Ramsey, Craig Wilkie, it's, it's just a shame he, he's made out of porcelain. I, I don't know. Very breakable stuff. I don't, you can't even see him going through a match, let alone a tournament. Yeah, it's it really is a great shame because on his day and when he's fully fit, and I know those they need maybe him rare, rare Wales, Wales yeah, need, he, yeah. He he's such a he's such a talented footballer. And I think, you know, I would be a lot more confident going into the tournament as a Scotland fan than I would as a Wales fan. I I just there's there's a lot of limitations in that squad and that that puts the onus even greater on the likes of Ramsey and the likes of Bale. And we know that even Bale himself has come off a, a bit of a stop start season. With Spurs, things really never got going for him there as, as maybe he would have hoped or, or definitely the, the Welsh supporters would have hoped as well. So we don't even really know what kind of form Gareth Bale is in coming into this tournament. And he's going to be such a talisman. He was going to have to, to raise his game and, and, and be that player that kind of lifts the whole team around him if, if Wales are to do anything. But I look at their group and there are harder groups out there, but it's not easy by any means. You know, the Italians mm. look like they're in, in pretty decent form. The Swiss and the, and the Turks, you know, they're... They're going to have, you know, good squads, maybe not outstanding individual players, but well-drilled, tactically disciplined, well-organized, no easy games there at all for Wales. And, and I think, unfortunately, the rest of that group will be looking at, at the Welsh and thinking that's the game that we, we, we probably have to win. So yeah. uh, if, Wales, if Wales don't get off to a good start, then they could be in really big trouble in this tournament, I think. Is, is Gareth Bale, Cam Roslan, is he good enough to lift the entire country and, and get them far in this tournament. He's a world-class player, right? This, he, this could be his a, last hurrah as well. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's set to make some kind of a announcement, rather mysterious announcement at the end of it. it could be his retirement. He it, he was a, a world class player, and it's one of the questions. It's always like, you know, can a team with one, just one, absolutely world class player go on all the way? Last time in uh, 2016, the they had two world class players with Ramsey and Bale. That was what made it possible for them to go on that that run. With Ramsey, as you say, being very brittle, Gareth Bale being, well, how old is he now? He's about 32? 32, um, yeah. Yeah, it, he, he probably doesn't have, well, he still has a bit of burst of speed, but he doesn't have the fear factor, I think, that he, he had before. Uh, I don't think a team can go all the way. But having said that, you know, Ronaldo did pretty damn well with Portugal. Well, um, the, the, yeah, yeah. Funny you should mention Ronaldo. I, for me, the main difference is is personal drive. You can you can see Ronaldo exudes it, whereas you just know Arvin Sidhu that Gareth is looking forward to returning to the golf courses in Madrid. ASAP. And his agent has come on and said that we are going to stay one more year in Madrid and then we'll see what happens at the end of it. But again, and he'll probably get some reprieve now because Carlo Ancelotti is back at Madrid and he's traditionally always worked well with Bale. But with Bale, again, managers can come, managers can go, international managers, club managers. It's really down to him. It's down to him of how consistently he wants to perform. And I agree with you. He, when he look, looks back at his career, there was a time when Ronaldo left Madrid and there was that mantle for him to take it on. Did he take it on? He didn't. And he can come up with as many things that he can blame injuries, uh, not working well with managers. But at the end of the day, if your talent comes true, it just comes true. Yeah. And while while he's had that talent, and I agree with Cam, it's, it, was, it was explosive a couple of years ago. Now it's more of those, yeah, he'll make a cameo once, he'll score a hat-trick against a lower, lower division team. But against this group stage, I won't be surprised he doesn't get a single goal against any of these opponents because like what Craig said, they're well drilled. The Swiss are well drilled defensively, and he's gonna he, expecting the supporting cast to support him when it's not there for the Welsh. It's gonna be added, so wouldn't surprise me at all. The end of the tournament, he comes out and says, "This was my last hurrah." It's a bit sad though because a career that really promised so much, much more, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll we'll, we'll have a look for Wales uh, as we go into our break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about the Spanish, the Portuguese. Uh, and the Italians, stay tuned. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking around. It's a lovely Monday evening. Has everyone had a nice public holiday today indoors? Rhetorical question. It's all right. Um, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can find us individually on Twitter. That's Cameras Line, Craig Wilkie, Arvin Sidhu, or myself. Uh, also, follow us on social media, BFM Football, on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, looking through at some of the high-profile friendlies played over the weekend, Friday night, Saturday morning, saw two giants face off at the Wanda Metro Politano Stadium in Madrid. It was Spain nil, Portugal nil. Uh, Emmerich Laporte making his Spain debut. Um, it, it was uh, it was a good game, kind of, but uh, it was strange because Alvaro Morata, uh, they were singing. They, being the Spanish fans, were singing songs about how beep Morata 
is <laughs> whilst the game is going on. Uh, really weird one, Craig Wilkie. Did you, did you catch highlights of that one? They weren't too long, the highlights, were they? And it's, what, a, what, a, what a confidence booster it is going into a major tournament when, when you've got a, a send-off like that from your own fans. Um, I mean, to be honest, the, the games that I've watched over the last week or so of these warm-ups, tune-ups for the big tournaments, I don't really expect a lot from them. You know, they, they tend to be very cagey. They tend to be players, you know, playing a lot within themselves, trying to make sure they don't get injured. Managers will be chopping and changing a lot, experimenting maybe a little bit more than they should in some cases, but it tends to just disrupt the rhythm of the game. And it become, And also, I think teams and managers, they don't necessarily want to give away too much of what their, what their tactics or what their, their starting 11s might be when they get to the tournament proper. So it's sometimes quite hard to read and evaluate those games. You're really just looking to see what, you know, what kind of fitness are the players in. And let's remember that these players, all of them, have been through a very demanding season yeah. because, of the, because of the particular circumstances of, of how last season was played. They've had a lot of games. You know, that, that whole schedule of Saturday, Wednesday or Thursday or whatever, they, they really haven't had much time off at all. And I think that will be a factor as this, this tournament gets underway. And, and some of those players, you know, have played, played a lot of big, high-profile games. And the Spanish, you know, they've, they had that period of dominance, didn't they, around, you know, 2010, 2012, uh, all of that. And, and again, they're, they're a nation that's been in a bit of transition since then, you know, since some of that generation, the Xavis and the Iniestas have departed the scene. And I don't think they're as strong as they were back then. Still got some very, very good players, of course, but... We go back to that game in particular against Portugal and the question mark for me over Spain is where are the goals going to come from? Yeah. Are they, are they creating enough chances? They look solid. I think they'll be okay at the back. They'll keep the ball a lot in midfield. We know how they'll play. They'll kind of try and tire you out and, and work you into situations. But in terms of, you know, center forwards or people who are really going to take those chances if there's only one or two chances in a, in a big game, that's where I feel as though the Spanish might come up a little bit short this tournament. Yeah, um, with the fans during Marata, it wasn't just Marata. Ferran Torres was also very wasteful. Uh, Spain are in Group E with Poland, Slovakia, and Sweden. And obviously, Luis Enrique, Arvin, going into, into selecting his 26, the big decision was the omission of Sergio Ramos. In fact, no Real Madrid players in the squad at all. Um, and then if you look... Their only senior goalkeeper they've got, because it's, it's Unai Simon, uh, Robert Sanchez of Brighton, uh, both untried and, and untested international-wise, and just David De Gea. That's it. That, that's their goalkeeping department. So that's a bit of a worry area as well, don't you think? Yes. Uh, but for the Ramos omission, as big of a fan I am of Ramos, it, it was justified because the guy literally had like six games since the start of the year. You cannot go into an international tournament. What Luis Enrique has done... Tell that to Gareth Southgate, South please. Southgate <laughs> should have done that, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, uh, Unai Simon has had a very good season at Atletico Bilbao. Obviously, you wouldn't depend on someone like Kepa, who's not even in the squad. David Ahia is there, but you're right, Roberto Sanchez is untested. But in central defence, Laporte comes in and partners Pau Torres. That's quite a yeah, quite yeah. decent, yeah. decent centre-back pairing you have there. Left Pau and Torres right foot as well, right? Exactly. exactly. Pau Torres is definitely going to go to a big club if it's not next season, the season after that. You've got Thiago Alcantara who's, who's pulling the strings in midfield. I thought he played really well the other day in his usual 
deep lying role, which I think is where he's best suited as. Marcos Lorente, who's had a very good season at Atletico Madrid and probably their second best player after Luis Suarez for winning La Liga, played at right back and he still did a good job. But yeah, and, and the, the funny thing is Alvaro Morata, I mean, he's probably the most unluckiest player I can think of in recent times. Everything just was an inch or two that didn't fall his way. And you know Alvaro Morata's personality. You know he will be crushed by it. He didn't work at Chelsea because when he's the main man, he needs that confidence booster. He needs that manager around him. He needs the players to sing his praises, the fans. When they're giving him this hard time, I can just imagine how shattered he is. But then when you look at the bench, Gerard Moreno is also had a very good season at Villarreal. Yeah. So, yeah, so Spain can can surprise a few people. I wouldn't be surprised they do quite well. They just need things to kind of come together a little bit better. But this was an entertaining goal as draw, not like the Wales game, but this was had its moments for both the squads, I thought. Yeah, yeah. So Spain, Poland, Slovakia, Sweden, they're in Group E. Portugal uh, are in the group of death. <laughs> when we say group of death, we mean poor old Hungary. <laughs> yeah, they're in with Portugal, Germany, France, Hungary. Of course, three teams could theoretically make it out of that. But we'll talk about the Portuguese here, Cam. I mean, you can never count out the Portuguese. You look at their squad. They're, they're all solid, seasoned internationals who know how to play at the highest level. And with Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, who knows? I think the guy could literally play until he's 50. I, I don't know. He, he looks the same still. Uh, yeah, but isn't their tactic just pass the ball to Cristiano Ronaldo, the end? <laughs> uh, I think they're a bit more than that. They, they've, got, they've got now Diego Jota who's very useful. You look at João Felix, who's, who's won La Liga. You know, I mean, they, they, they got some very good players. Their midfield looks particularly yes, strong. But Ronaldo demands the ball. Uh, it, I mean, yes, they may, they, they may have great players, but he demands the ball and he gets so angry. And, and you know, the shadow of that man is, um, it, it, I, you know, I kind of feel that psychologically, uh, Portugal, I would not put money on Portugal unless uh, Ronaldo is in the form of his life and is just can just shoot from distance and just bang the goals in. I I I I don't see them coalescing as a team. Yeah, uh, well, they 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 seem very strong. Anything to say about the Portuguese, uh, Craig Arvin? I like the Portuguese oh. at centre back. I think Ruben Dias and Pepe make a quite a good centre back pairing. Jose Fonte has had a good season as well. He's probably at the back, but I. I agree. Joe Felix is a focal point for me. is a bit too lightweight. And when you have Ronaldo who likes to cut in from the left, you need someone a little bit more that can put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, midfield, they've got some... Bruno Fernandes will be there. Uh, he will come in and he'll pull the strings as well. So I wouldn't discount them, but in that group of death with uh, Hungary, unless Hungary get the likes of Puskas, they come and save them. They're not going to get through, get any points from this game. But they but, need yeah, a time so, machine for that, I think. They need a time machine, exactly. <laughs> but, but 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 in that group of that, I would still put them going into the tournament in better form than, than probably Germany has been for the last couple of months. So then, then France could go through, in my opinion, from that. But, but, but did you say Pepe? Uh, yeah, Pepe's on the squad. Yeah, yeah. Well, how old is he now? <laughs> Pepe, Pepe's 37. Yeah, he's 37. But you've got that. You know, Cam, you've got that old, that old head like Pepe, and then you've got Ruben Diaz, who's 23. So you kind of got that little one sits back and one kind of clear it up. It, it works for them. Bleep housery at its finest. Yeah. From yeah. Pepe. I, I fear for the legs of uh, the likes of Mbappe. <laughs> 
I tell you what, guys, the Italians are going into Euro 2020 as, for me, one of the teams to look out for. I think it was 2018. Yeah, 2018, since they last lost the game. <laughs> they beat the Czech Republic, who are in the same group as England, no less, 4-0 on Friday, literally brushed them aside. Um, this is a young Italian side that Roberto Mancini has, has put together here. They missed out on the last two major tournaments, Craig. So from the Italian point of view, they, they've, got, they've got ground to make up here. Yeah, and it was it was such a shock, I think, to the nation to have to have missed out on on major tournament that there there had to be some sort of response, and I don't think anybody expected a response quite as significant as this in terms of the run that they've been on. I don't think they've necessarily been playing spectacularly well throughout that entire run, but we know the Italians that we know that they have that ability to to get results, to grind games out, to to find a way to win. You know, that's something that's been part of their their whole way of playing for for a long time. And you look at this squad and I don't see a lot of big star names there. You know, it's not like the days where you might build your team around Totti or Baggio or a, mm. or a player of, of that caliber. But, but these are players who are, you know, playing at a decent level and most of them in Serie A actually, you know, it's their kind of domestic, it's a very domestic based squad. And we know that even Serie A in itself has been through maybe a, a bit of a hard time at a European level. You know, the, those Italian clubs haven't been going as far in the Champions League or in the Europa League, as as maybe they would have hoped or expected to, but with some of the some of the changes that have happened there, you know, Conte going back to Inter, Milan coming back a little bit as a force. I know Juve have maybe kind of lessened a little bit, of that, but that's been good for the league overall. You know, there's more competition there, and and I can I can see Italy. I think group wise, you know, we talked about them. They've got Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales in the group. I can definitely see them coming out of the group fairly comfortably, and then when you get into the knockout stages. Anything can happen. And we know, especially based on that form, and don't, don't doubt the importance of form, just being in that, that winning run, the mentality of, of getting, getting performances and results, nobody will really fancy facing Italy at that stage, I think. Yeah. So it could be very interesting how far they might go as a, as a bit of a dark horse for this tournament. Just two Italian players who play their football abroad, Emerson Palmieri, who's, who's at Chelsea, of course, and Alessandro Florenzi who's at PSG, yeah. everybody Pretty else. Pretty remarkable that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, everybody else plays in Serie A. Of course, Donnarumma may, may end up somewhere else. I'll tell you what, quick break. We may have a bit more on the Italians for you right after this. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Cam, with Craig, with Arvin. We're talking about the build-up to the Euros. Just before the break, we were looking at the Italians who brushed aside the Czech Republic 4-0 on Friday. We were, we were saying how, how good and, and, and a young breed of Italians this, this particular squad that Mancini has assembled here, Cam, um, None of the divine ponytails from days of yonder. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's no Scalacci, you know, none well, of that. Well, you know, it has to be remembered with Scalacci that he was uh, a revelation at the World Cup, but, you know, didn't really go on to uh, set the world on fire afterwards or even before that. And he, um, I, I was really interested to see, uh, by the way, Ross is wearing his Italia uh, shirt. So, uh, See where he's. he's I also have the USA 94 kit. (laughs) Okay. Italy, Italy, yeah. 
Um, I wonder, you know, if you ever want to win the Euros or indeed the World Cup, you have to go through Italy. Italy, uh, it's, a, it's a nation where everybody instinctively knows what they have to do on the pitch. They I, I, Sometimes I even wonder if they need a manager, but I was really interested to see that there was an interview with an ex-Manchester uh, City player who said the worst things about Mancini, said he was <laughs> the most awful human being he had ever worked with. And that kind of, and he he just said it was a toxic uh, environment, and it's kind of rare for a, uh, even an ex footballer to come out and really condemn a manager like that. And uh, so perhaps perhaps the weak link might be the manager. Or or you, you I mean I understand Mancini used to be a hothead even as a player, but I think if you look at the results, you look at the way he's carried himself. I think he's mellowed over the years. And it's he was just, a great player. Yeah, it's just has he mellowed enough to, to lead Italy to, to greatness because they, they're a nation that really are hungry in football terms <laughs> more than any other country. Um, all right, let's move on and talk about Germany. The Germans are taking on Latvia uh, Tuesday, 2.45 a.m. A German squad, this will be um, uh, Yogi Love's last hurrah, Arvin. Uh, Hansi Flick is going to take over. Um, Yogi Love, I, I was reading, 15 years at the helm. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Right? And he was the assistant, and he was the assistant manager before that as well. So keep an eye how, how, how long he's been in that setup. But uh, yeah. I it's mean, like John Terry thing. taking over a nation and then like, you exactly. know, <laughs> <laughs> for 15 years. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's the final, final, final match against Latvia before the the, the tournament starts for them. They but do. Do you rate this to... German squad? They they're very young, and, and they're very yeah, they're very young. And also, he's kind of made a U-turn and brought Thomas Muller back. So he's kind of made admitted that he's made a mistake dislodging those three players that he did at that time, Boateng, Muller, as well as Matt Hamilton. He's brought Thomas Muller back. And he's played him in that false nine role. Thomas Muller had so many assists for Bayern this season. So it's a matter of whether he can do that for them uh, at, at, the, at the international level. They'll welcome back the Chelsea players. There are a lot of Chelsea players that will come back into this game because they've been away up to the Champions League break. The Harvards, the Werners, Rudiger, uh, even Gundogan wouldn't have played, would come into this game. Um, and the, the question for me is Germany is really whether they can control that midfield in the middle because when you've got Toni Kroos and Leon Goretzka, you've got two players who can really dictate the entire feel of a game. If they can do that, uh, the Germans, you should never discount them. Regardless of how bad it's been under Joachim Lowe in the last tournament, he would want to go out on the high, but it's a matter of can he get those players with him on this journey? Because in the last tournament, it didn't seem like they yeah. were with him. Yeah. There was a lot of talk that he should have stepped down, but he didn't. Uh, so, And they've got some young good players as well. Jamal Musiala is there. Serge Gnabry has been playing well. Leroy Sané is coming into his own. So like you said, young players, but it's really whether he can get them on his side in his last tournament. Because if he doesn't, it will be just be the similar situation that happened in the last tournament. But bringing yeah. back Thomas Muller for me was, a, was, was a, a very good move because you need someone in that seniority, in that squad to show that, yes, we, we know how to do things here. So I think that was a very good move by him. I'm sure everybody agrees Thomas Muller can really still cut it at the highest level. Um, Joshua Kimmich uh, in that midfield, probably one of the most underrated midfielders playing, playing his trade in Europe. And, and he, he's, he's really, really good. For me, the only weak link, if, if you look at the German forwards, Timo Werner will be your main man or, or Kevin Bolland, <laughs> Craig Wilkie. Uh, we, we all know a lot about Timo Werner. 
<laughs> I mean, we don't doubt his work rate and 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 you know how how much he puts into it and all that, but he does take a few chances to score a goal, though, doesn't he? He does on occasion. Although I think it depends slightly on what role he's expected to play in the team. Yeah. Right? Are they looking at him as a as a centre forward and someone who is going to be the one who gets the goals, or is it a much more shared responsibility? And you look at the likes of Leroy Sani, for example, you know, who's who's in the squad and we know what a dynamic player he is. Um Arvin was mentioned about Muller coming back and, and the, the role that he can play, not only in terms of assists, but he's more than capable of scoring goals as well, right? So I think if, if the onus is on, on Werner himself to be the man who gets the goals, then Germany might struggle a little bit. But if he's a man who's going to help link play, if he's going to do that defensive work from the front in terms of how hard he works and closing players down, all of that kind of thing, then, then he might have a, a much more valuable contribution to make. But the Germans, I think there's... There's definitely depth and quality in that squad. And, you know, we go back to the likes of Cruz, you know, they're st still playing at such a high level uh, in terms of the club. So not, not an easy team, but just that group, you know, I, I think it will come down to, to Germany versus Portugal as the, as the pivotal fixture in that yeah. group. Uh, because so. France go into the tournament as big favourites, and, and rightly so. Um, France take on Bulgaria in their last warm-up before the big kickoff. Wednesday, 3-10, they take on Bulgaria. Let's look at this, this French side. Karim Benzema has been called back into the France attack. I mean, you, you look at them, uh, they've actually been playing all the friendlies cameras without N'Golo Kante. They've yet to reintegrate him back into that world-class midfield. But yeah, rightly favourites for everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially when you have a player like Ngolo Kante, you always stand a chance because he is at least one and a half players. And I remember at the at the end of the last World Cup when uh, Pogba made such a point of thanking, uh, of praising Kante, because. Kante makes Pogba a better... He makes him a good player. He takes on the responsibilities that Pogba himself will not take. Uh, he, uh, Pogba gets uh, the ball taken away from him, and then next thing you know, you've, you've got a goal against you. Kante ensures that that doesn't happen. Uh, but, but also, we were talking earlier about England not necessarily playing its best players, but the French have been playing uh, the best possible combinations they can play in their in their build-up they're taking this very seriously and i don't think they'll be as thrilling as we would hope them to be um they're going to be a, a fairly cautious outfit but um i'm i am so looking forward to it nonetheless i tell you what that front three Kylian mbappe <laughs> benzema and, and antoine griezmann arvid i mean that's gonna get you goals with their eyes closed crazy. It's crazy. But I still think he'll reward Olivier Giroud for the loyalty and what he's done. I think Karim Benzema is a wild card in this because I think, you can't I think, bring him in. I think Giroud does really good pub quizzes and he keeps the squad entertained. You know? No, yeah, so much more does. than that. <laughs> so much more. He mixes the but, drinks. But, but, but besides that, when you look at that bench in itself, they've got Marcus Turam who's done really well in Monchon Gladbach with some Ben, ben Yedder that scores goals for fun for Monaco. And midfield, besides 
Pogba uh, and 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 Kante who get obviously a Rabiot. lot of the plaudits. You've got Rabio who will work. You've got Quarantine Toleso who will work. Uh, and centre backs Varane, Julius Conde is going to make. And this this French squad for me is just it's just packed. It's packed to the point that I think the shops would have struggled to figure out who do I not even call up to this twenty six man squad because there are other players outside that he couldn't squeeze them in. So for me, they go into this tournament as. Obviously, like what we go back to the top of the show, the Euro tournament is very competitive and anything can happen. But if you're looking at squad strength, there's no one that comes close to this French squad in this whole tournament, in my opinion. Frighteningly strong, Craig Wilkie, aren't they, the French? Yeah, well, let's put it as simply as this. They won the World Cup in the last major tournament. And I think they have a stronger, better, more experienced squad this time around. So, and it's not just the fact that you know, the quality of those players and the depth that they have, the fact that they come in as world champions, you know, this is, this is a squad that's used to winning at that level, not just those players uh, domestically, which they've done for the club teams, but also internationally. And that, that is such a huge thing. And when you compare it to the likes of the Belgians, for example, they haven't taken that step at that level. Yeah. yeah, they've been close, but that actual getting it over the line in semifinals and finals, that's a completely different equation. The French, we know they've been there, they've done it. They have, and there's so many exciting possibilities. As you mentioned, that, that front line. And I, I think it's a huge thing, Benzema, coming back in because he's, he's been, you know, we talked about what Modric has been for the past 10 years. Benzema, for me, has been the best centre forward in Europe for seven, eight, nine years. And, yeah. and I mean, as a kind of more old-fashioned, traditional centre forward. Very underrated, we, yeah. yeah. We've, had, we've had so many kind of permutations of that position and the false nines and everything else like that. But as someone who's going to lead a line, as someone who's going to be still so sharp in the box, bring other people into play, give you that focal point, Benzema can do all of that. And when you combine it with the likes of Griezmann and Mbappe, frightening, frightening prospect. And that's why I think France will top that group. So the, the Germany-Portugal game is going to become absolutely massive. And, and I don't think anybody's going to really fancy facing France when they get into the, the knockout stages either. As I said earlier on, poor Hungary. <laughs> do, do you know, France are, are so good. They gave Emmerich Laporte to Spain. That's, that's how good France are. <laughs> um, all right. Hopefully we've set you up nicely for the week. We're going to be on air all the way through the Euros. The Euros kick up on Friday. There's also a massive Malaysia versus Vietnam match on Friday that we will talk about. For now, I have to thank the guys. Thank you, Kamraslan. Bonjour. <laughs> Thank you, Craig Marais. Uh, Craig Marais. Thank you, Craig Wilkie. Beg your pardon. <laughs> Next week with a kilt, not for Marais. <laughs> awful slip on the tongue if you're a Craig. <laughs> and Alvin Cedar, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend. Yeah, have a great week. Uh, we'll see you Friday. Stay home. Stay safe. Bye now. Oh, we love you. <laughs> Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.